My husband and I were in a store that we usually don't go to a food store, a common chain food store recently to pick up a couple of things. And he said, Wendy, come over here and take a look at this aisle. And I swear it looked an, a, a mile long and it was all lined with candy, the whole thing. And there were all these banners all over it saying how much fun you could have and all these insane colors and very alluring signs. Then we went to the next aisle and it was a whole aisle of sodas. And then it just kept going on and on. And it, I really felt like I was in a foreign, foreign place. It, it felt just so fake to me. It, it didn't seem, it didn't seem real. And it yeah. wasn't. I want to take a step back for a minute and introduce us because we get so excited about these topics. <laughs> you're on Nourish Noshes, by the way, and I'm Debbie. And I'm Wendy. We're so glad you're here talking with us about this real thing about, you know, we, we want to have pleasure with food, but there's so much out there hijacking our taste buds. And what do we do about it? So we're, we're going to talk about this, uh, the evolution of it all. Yeah. Right. But that is so attractive to so many people. I, what we're going to uncover today is that idea that how do addictions happen? Right. Well, how do we get so allured to this stuff? Right. And how do they, how do these thing, things hijack our natural, you know, our natural inclinations to eat natural things and normal foods? And I want to talk about how these products and these foods are hijacking our biology, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to the biology. We just have not caught up really to this industrialized world. We meaning our taste buds and our response to all things not real, right? That's right. Exactly. So we, taste. let's start with taste buds because... <laughs> Yeah. So I did not know this, but we've got 10,000 of these little tiny, tiny taste buds and each of them has 50 plus taste receptor cells. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> what does that look like? That's crazy stuff, but yeah, that's, anyway. a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's why we have our taste. That's why we taste sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami. I don't, I think I got them all right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. it. So all of those flavors are, our brain recognizes those flavors because those are natural flavors, right? And it sends, sends signals, our brain sends signals to the rest of our body to start digesting and, and giving us the enzyme to process for our, our digestive process. Yeah, that's when our digestion actually begins, right? In the mouth, in the salivary glands. When we smell something or see something that tastes good, or that we assume tastes good, right? That looks good, that our salivary glands squirt. Right. And we depended on these taste buds, especially when we were out, you know, hunter-gatherers, nomadic lifestyles, where we yeah. we had to trust that because some some things were not safe to eat and, and some things were. So we had, our taste buds are programmed to be very sensitive. Yeah, it was a warning signal, right? If it, if it was too bitter... Uh, we would say, okay, that's going to hurt me as poisonous. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any more of that. Right. And, and on the other side is that the, these taste buds also were survival instincts because we needed to seek out foods 
that were nourishing to us, foods and you know, vitamins and minerals and things that our bodies needed like salts and sugars and fats. We had to seek those out because they weren't readily available. They were the way to survive. Right. Yeah. So if you think about that hunter-gatherer, 8,000 BC, who was out there on the savanna, you know, there was lots of plants to eat, tons of plants to eat. And those were probably what they ate most of the time because they were readily available. But they had to go out and look for the salty stuff. They had to go out and look for fat in mostly animal products, or they weren't products then, they were animals. <laughs> <laughs> they had to they had to look for blueberries during season they had to and they weren't it wasn't just sitting there on a shelf in a supermarket like it is now yeah and the crazy thing is I don't know what the statistic is I wished I'd looked this up but I wonder how much of the food that's in a traditional local grocery store is actually could be defined as real foods that's not synthetic or processed or factory farmed. I wonder what the percentage is anymore. Oh, geez. I don't think I want to know. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Because it's, it's kind of the factory, the factories and the synthetics, it's as though it's taking over. It right? absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, it is because it's cheaper. So it's, it's cheaper to make a synthetically factory formed raspberry than to, to grow and pick and travel you know, and ship the raspberries. You know, it's, it's cheaper to make these fake foods. That's why. Ooh, here's that statistic. As a nation, we now consume more than 600 million pounds of synthetic flavorings a year. Oh, which comes to about two pounds per person of synthetic flavorings. It's fake over real. It's, it's a, that's a crazy stat. Yeah. You know, we're, we're eating more ketchup than tomatoes. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, it's tied up in money. <laughs> oh, it really is tied up in money. And we're, it, it feels as though, oh, what was that movie that was called? Um, Wally? Yeah, the animated movie Wally. It, it just becomes so depressing because everybody moved around on conveyor belts and had big size cups and big size. Everything. Yeah. It just seems like everything's going in in that way. And then Wally finds a plant, right? This yeah. beautiful plant, and it it makes his heart pump or something. I'm kind right. of not remembering the whole thing, but. Yeah. How do we get back? How do we kind of, I feel like we need to like, like, go. right. Because we're going in that direction. That's the, that's the sad thing. It is. Yeah. And, and, and our taste buds and other things have been hijacked. They've been hijacked to think that these non-food items are what we really want. Well, and it's convenient, hyper flavored, right. Yeah. And the sad part is that even though it's got that satisfaction of the sugar fat and salt it's actually like a, a nutrition desert it doesn't have any right. of the minerals and nutrients and true trueness that our body actually recognizes so we're all kind of walking around like zombies yeah yeah and i mean again let me let me go back to the fact that these these like sugar fat and salt it activates our brain it gives it's a reward it's like a dopamine when we yeah. taste these things, because 
again, our bodies have not evolved from 8,000 BC when we were hunter gatherers and we needed that reward system to make us go out and get more of that. And food manufacturers know all that. So they know that and they're constantly creating new complex flavors and textures that are designed specifically to be irresistible to our biology. <sighs> I got to take a big deep breath. <laughs> How do we unravel all of that? Yeah, well, we can't, there's not much we can do as individuals. I mean, the food industry is huge and they've hired scientists to, to specifically design tastes that will get us going, to make us want to buy these processed crazy things. So we can only work on ourselves. And what we can do as a coaches is help people be aware that this is going on. Well, and I think that's true because once you have a little, we, we want more, right? Because yeah. exactly what you said, this dopamine hit and, right. and it happens prolifically at, in October, right? When all the sugary fancy <laughs> things come out. And in the store the other day, I mean, they're already promoting um, Valentine's and Easter candy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Another really, you know, two more months of sugar rich rushes. Right. Very seductive, right? It is very seductive, yep. And when it comes down to it, it's, I mean, like I said, it's all about money. And, and so let's, how do we trip it up? right? How do we kind of unhinge ourselves? And well, I, yeah, I, I don't spend your yeah. money on these foods. <laughs> right. Don't spend your money on these foods. And, you know, I shop in different places than I did, you know, 15 years ago. And because I hadn't been in this, I don't regularly go to this store, which is literally right around the corner from my house. Right. I don't have that marketing in front of me all the time. Right. And right. so one idea is maybe to just simply go to a different shop <laughs> <laughs> or stay to the perimeter of the store where all of the real food is, where, you know, the produce and the, yeah, yeah don't go in the processed aisles, uh, stay away from them. So in our experience, I mean, let, could we share just a couple of samples of people who have had sugar addictions and and what they did because we've got some fa fabulous success stories with some oh, yeah. of our clients and you know with a with the help of our accountability you know the client does the work they really create new boundaries for themselves right yeah and i mean this is the work that you're talking about is is that for, the first part is recognizing that something can change. Something can change for the betterment to make you feel better and to be eating more nutritious foods and to ditch the stuff that is not making you feel good. And that's not super nutritious. So it's not that easy to, to do just that. You can't just change everything all at once, <laughs> but the yeah. idea is the recognition. And one of our clients was talking about how she's just going to start to read her labels. She's going to get into the habit of reading labels every time she goes to the store and buys something in a package. It was such an interesting because she said I had uh, half and half and I had almond milk and she looked at the ingredients. She said she realized there was more real food in the half and half right? You know, in the brand that she was using that that was that was closer to whole food. And she said, I would have hands down thought that almond milk would have would have been my thing. Right. Exactly. 
And her awareness really got piqued by that by looking at the other things that were on her shelf. Right. So that, you know, that's the first step. Um, The other is, I mean, to be mindful that way, but also to be mindful when you're actually tasting things. We often aren't. Well, and you know, those quick foods, those quick reach foods and the bags and the, and the sugar, we're often going to them when we're doing something else, perhaps mindlessly, perhaps it's the afternoon slump we have and we're trying to get work done and we're trying to plow through it. And so the bag just gets open next to the computer or at night after a very long day and you're trying to wind down um, and in, instead of grabbing a book, you turn on the TV and all of a sudden there's a bag next to you as well. Right. And so we're, these are just such common daily habits that we, we, we don't realize we've actually gotten into the habit of doing. Right. And we don't really taste what we're eating. You know, there are occasions and everybody I think can relate to this. There are occasions that you actually really are paying attention to what you're tasting. Like if you go out to dinner say at a restaurant that, that you haven't been to before and you're sitting with friends and you actually are paying attention to what you're eating. And it makes for such a wonderful experience um, because you're actually paying attention. You're, you're savoring these things, which mm. means we don't do normally. And even if you do, I mean, here's where it comes complicated. What the complicated thing is with these synthetic flavorings that have kind of taken over people's taste buds. If you're eating, if you're eating processed fake foods, the second they hit your tongue, it's like a, it's like a firework go off. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, wow, that tastes great. But the fact is, is that it's an exaggeration of tastes that are actually real. And it's a matter of training those taste buds to kind of go go back to reality. So you down a whole bunch of colored candy, right? And then you say, okay, I need to, you know, go eat real food. And so you grab an apple and it just doesn't, it might not taste good. Exactly. The the truth is that that's exactly what hijack is, is that when you return to real foods or go to nature again, it might seem in the beginning, it won't taste as, taste as good. Right. It, we, might, it might seem bland. It might not have a whole lot of flavor to you. Yeah. And so there is a period, I mean, let's be, let's be real about this. There's a period of kind of like unweaving that feeling that you have to keep going back to those foods and right. it's a little, got some discipline. Yes. Around that. Yes. Right. So So there is a way and it's, of course, you have to be in a place where you want to do this, that you're at a place where you're saying, okay, I know there's going to be a period of time in my life where maybe food isn't all that wonderful because I have to retrain my taste buds back to natural foods. Um, It's similar to when you haven't been working out and all of a sudden you want to work out and it's hard work and you don't see, you, you don't feel good at first. And it isn't until what, two weeks in, three weeks in where you start to feel good. You start to feel stronger. You start to have more energy, whatever the effects are. But there's that two or three week time period that's not so pretty. No, and that's really where 
getting someone to be your accountability partner, doing it with yeah. a group of people or hiring a coach like us and, and getting buy-in from the people who are closest to you in your life and going on the journey together. Yep. Right. But it's worth it to reclaim your taste buds, to get back to nature, to get back to nourishing foods is fabulous. I remember, I'm just going to tell you a little story. When I started changing my ways of going from some processed type foods to eating, you know, mostly real whole foods, I remember loving, and I, I don't mean to throw any company under the bus, but I used to love Hershey Kisses. They were delicious. I am a chocolate person. I love chocolate to this day. And Hershey Kisses used to be one of my favorite chocolate treats. I stopped eating them for a while because I knew that they didn't have the ingredients that I thought were best for my body and took a break from them and a whole bunch of other things like that. And I think it must have been a year or two later that I came across Candy Kisses somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'll have one of those. And I tasted it and it tasted like wax to me tasted like sugary wax. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. that so distinctly because I had been eating real chocolate, you know, with not as much sugar and rich cocoa, you know, cacao and delicious, you know, really expensive, fine made artisan chocolates. When you do that compared to a factory produced thing, you're going to start to notice these things. Um, and so I knew that my taste buds had flipped and it was a wonderful feeling. Yeah. The idea that the chocolate you're eating now is more expensive Yes, and the chocolate you used to have was inexpensive, but I bet that the chocolate you had that was inexpensive, you could eat 10 to 15 of those. <laughs> right. Dishes, right. But when you had the really dense, uh, very bitter with just a little bit of sugar that that ultimately really satisfied you that your body recognized you'd have a square or two and be super satisfied if you ate it mindfully and it would end up being either the same price or maybe even cheaper. Right. I think you're right. And you're healthier for it. Yep. Absolutely. And your wallet really isn't that different. No, that's, that's true. That's true because real whole foods ultimately are more satiating. And you're not going back for more, for more, for more, for more, which is what we do with highly processed foods because they are, our bodies are just like, where are the nutrients? Keep eating. I got to find them. Where are those nutrients? Keep on eating until I find them. <laughs> well, and one of the other things that's in, in these fake foods is this, the, the trans fats, right? And trans fats actually promote the stress hormone cortisol. It, it promotes its excretion. And so it actually stimulates our appetite yeah. instead yeah. of satisfying. So an avocado that has this wonderful fat or almonds or, you know, olive oil, yep. these types of fats are very satiating and they're really good for our brain. <laughs> and it's good to absorb all the other nutrients of all the other vegetables you're eating, but trans fats actually you know, turn on our stress hormone. That's, that's the belly fat, you yep. know, that turns on belly fat and it st stimulates our appetite. It's very, um, very tricky. And similarly, high fructose corn syrup is addicting in that we process that in our liver. It doesn't even get processed in our digestive system because it's not food. 
<laughs> you know, oh. and so that gets processed in our liver, like, like drugs. Um, and so it, that sweetness, that, that, what that does in our brain is addictive. And so we get addicted to these sweet foods that are full of trans fats, high fructose corn syrup, and we keep wanting more and more and more. Mm, I'm going to sell you again. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not, but we, but here's the thing. We want you to forgive yourself. If you are, if you're, you are, uh, you know, on this roller coaster of processed foods, you're there because your biology is doing what it's supposed to be doing. (laughs) You're, you know, we are, our DNA is trained to go after these flavors and these foods that these, what, what our, what our brain thinks are foods. And so it's, it's not your fault, but what you can control we can't control our, our body's urges like that, but we can control what we put into our mouth and what we decide to eat. So we invite you to take a sabbatical yeah. from any of those foods, read the ingredients list, maybe shop someplace differently, Yep. grab some community people that want to go on this journey with you. Right. And yeah. like she- like you said, forgive yourself and say, how about, how about starting a new journey? Let's walk this, this other path. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, well, let, we'd like to challenge you and maybe you can start with a week. Um, or maybe you can be as bold as to say for a whole month to have no processed foods or very little processed foods and reset your taste buds and see what happens. You know, and the other thing, and this is something I'm doing constantly, (laughs) just like a baby when they try a new food and they don't like it, you introduce it to them several times over and over and over again. Right. And cook differently with different seasonings and maybe with other foods that, you know, you really like. Yeah. And and maybe not having a large amount of it, maybe just introducing it slowly. Right. Right. I like that idea, but, and I really like the different forms of it because for me, one of the foods that I don't like that I want to like are beets. And 20 years ago, I wouldn't touch anything that had anything to do with beets. But now I'll have beets here and there, and especially if it's mixed in with something, or I'll have beet chips because I like those. Um, And there's different forms of it that, and I keep trying to expose myself to them because, and it's working because I'm, I'm gonna, I want to like beets. So I'm so curious. Did you like that beet tahini dressing that I made? I did. I really did. And I didn't, I didn't expect to. And then I did. And I think it's because I've been training my taste buds. (laughs) And that's so interesting too, because I remember when we were at that gathering and I brought that dish, it's such a beautiful looking dish. It is. It really is alluring. And, um, it's so interesting that color, color, like oranges right now in the middle of winter, it's yeah. so beautiful to have a bowl of oranges on the table. You just want to grab them and eat them. And they're this perfectly delicious, sweet, amazing food. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's what, that's another challenge is to something that you at least told yourself that you don't like whether you do still not like it, or it's a story that you told yourself, you know, get back into it and try it again. See how it, see how it is and try it again and again and again. There are some resources too, besides we talked about having friends and us as coaches or any other person that you think could be an accountability coach, but. And, so, and you, 
you've uncovered a couple of really interesting books about this. Yeah, I have. And one of the one, if you're interested in a lot of what we were talking about, there's this wonderful author, uh, Deirdre Barrett. She's a Harvard professor, um, psychologist, and she wrote a book a while ago called Supernormal Stimuli, How Primal Urges Overran Their Evolutionary Purpose. And in that book, they, she talks about everything that we talked about today. And it's a really good resource for you to understand why you, why you want these things. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's not just about food. You know, she talks about a whole bunch of other things that we go for that are super, super normal stimuli is what she calls them. And there's, there's this other book um, by Mark Schatzker, uh, The Dorito Effect. And what, what was the subtitle on that one again? The Surprising New Truth About Food and Flavor. Yeah, so, so this kind of curiosity is what we love to do, you know, to explore with clients is to just say, how did we get here? Yeah. You know, and then help unravel it, help unravel those habits and that, that behavior that doesn't serve us anymore. And uh, we're here to walk the journey with you if you want help. Right. Reclaim your taste buds. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com and stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place.